Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. Have you ever wondered how well-suited you are for ethical non-monogamy? Well, you can find out by taking my quiz. And you can find the quiz right on the homepage of my website, which is sumatsparks.com. That's S as in Sam, U, M as in Mary, A, T as in Tom, I, Sparks, as in Sparks are Flying, dot com. And when you enter your email address, you'll be added to my mailing list as well. And you'll be the first to learn about both my online events as well as my live events in the San Francisco Bay Area. So tonight, I'm really excited to have as my guest, Tom Snetlagi. He is a retired 65-year-old former University of California manager who currently spends most of his time journaling and talking about why polyamory is best for seniors. He gives seminars on this topic, most recently at the 2018 Rocky Mountain Poly Living Conference. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you, Sumati. It's wonderful to be here. So good to have you. So I met you, um, I guess it was earlier this year, when I shared a stage with you, and you made a very compelling argument for why polyamory is great for seniors. So why don't you tell our audience, in a nutshell, why is that? Why does age matter? Age matters in part because polyamory is about relationships. Relationships take time. Who has time in their lives? Well, as a younger person, you're busy trying to figure out what you're going to do for your living, have a career, find a mate, things like that. As a middle-aged person, you're going to be typically busy having your career and maybe trying to get a better one and very, very often having a family and kids. These things take up time. By the time you get to be in your 60s, all of a sudden, people aren't working as much. Their kids are grown. They're mostly not taking care of their parents anymore. They have more time. Time is a key factor in being able to have multiple relationships. So it's just sort of obvious that by having more time, you have capacity for more love in your life. And statistics bear this out, too. There's time usage studies that the government does, and they show that up through the middle 50s in age, people are spending a large proportion of their time with either work or education. And then there's child rearing that uh, peaks in the 40s and early 50s too. After that, the amount of leisure time that people have starts going way, way up versus what they have earlier in their life. Next, there's the issue of the fact that as we're older, we have more life experience. And so things with that get in the way of having multiple relationships include like jealousy. People, by the time they get to be older, have more experience in handling their emotions. Like Elizabeth Sheff, who writes about poly people at different ages, say that uh, older people who have been in poly relationships for decades, they don't even want to talk about jealousy anymore. They've dealt with that. They want to go on with other things in terms of their issues of life. Mm-hmm. I can go on and on. But in general, more life experience 
helps in handling the complexity of having poly and older people have that. Mm-hmm. Well, that totally makes sense. So how are you defining seniors? Definitions vary. If you look at the Wikipedia entry on old age, you'll find that some people talk about old age as starting at 55, others say 65, and then they break it down into different categories of old age. There's probably a better definition that goes with general state of health because a lot of people are living longer than they used to. And so you can be really old in your 50s if you've had a really hard life and a lot of physical problems and be pretty darn you know, relatively uh, capable and young even into your 80s if you've not. So mm-hmm. you can either look at it just on age or you can look on it as sort of a general health indicator, and they're different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's hard to completely generalize then, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, the one thing is that we do all age and grow old and eventually die. <laughs> well, that seems like a big issue, too, is how healthy you are and how how your sex drive holds out. Um, how much interest do older people have in sexuality, let alone polyamory? There's a fair amount of conflicting statistics on older people and sexuality. Going back into the 1990s, there was a huge study called the Janus Report that looked at people and sexuality across ages. And they found that in terms of some sort of sexuality, people were increasing the amount of sexuality as they went into retirement type ages, which probably can be attributed to their having more time. On the other hand, most statistics since then have been saying that uh, sexuality starts dropping in the 19 sorry in people who are in their 50s and then continues to decrease by decade uh, i'm inclined to guess that that's generally true that sexual frequency declines but it depends on how you define sex too if you just talk about oh cuddling and touching and sensual touch there's a lot of people who will not call that sex, but if you include that, there's a a lot of that even into older age. So it depends on how you ask questions, for for one thing. Well, that's true. It's a a big difference between, like, how, you know, how is your erection into your 80s versus how much do you desire to have intimate connections that could just include kissing and being nude together and things like that. So there's a wide spectrum of sexual expression available to us. And I think oftentimes our culture, um, you know, the whole Viagra and all the, you know, pills that that are on the market now kind of assume that, that sex is just how erect are you, as opposed to the variety of expressions of sexuality, including Tantra and, um, you know, cuddling, like you said, there's so many different ways people can connect. And I think when you're older, it gives you permission to 
ask more for exactly what you want. Exactly. Um, two points that you mentioned there I think are worth commenting on right away. First of all, the erection issue, that's the number one inhibiting factor for men as they get older because having some sort of erectile issues tends to go up uh, in proportion to age. Like at uh, age 40, supposedly according to this study in uh, Boston, about 40% of men have some sort of erectile issue, and at 50, about 50%, and at 60, 60%. Mm. You get the picture. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, that That is the single biggest uh, issue that causes men to decide they don't want to be sexual anymore. And, of course, mm-hmm. there's lots of other ways of being sexual. And for some people, not everybody, the erectile pills will definitely help. The other thing that oh, I should say for women, on, in contrast, uh, self-image and feeling like you know they aren't sexy anymore, they won't be appealing, and also the physical issues of dryness, uh, those add up to cause them to not feel like they want to be uh, sexual in older age. In addition to um, an issue that we can discuss more later about there starting to be an imbalance of more women than men as we get older. Mm. And now I've forgotten the whole second topic I wanted to comment on. Oh, I know it was mm. about um, older age and different ways of uh, connecting. It's absolutely mm-hmm. uh, a positive thing about getting mm-hmm. older that you can be less inhibited and have a more you know, relaxed nature and time for being sexual and it gives you more freedom to be more creative. So uh, an author of uh, Sex Over 50 cites that, yeah, sex can be best in your older ages because of these factors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there are times as a woman that I want somebody to my lover my male lover to be very erect and to really go for it in that way but off that there are also many many times where I feel like I just want him to hurry up and you know have an orgasm so that we can then start to really connect more deeply because especially younger men it's like they sort of need to have a release before they can even think straight to um you know, listen to what else I need. So oftentimes it's like, let's just hurry and get that part over with so so we can then explore the multitude of different ways of connecting. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's uh, one book by Barbara Kiesling called um, All Night Long that explores the topic of the different rates of speed at which men and women want to have uh, intercourse. And mm-hmm. she says, hey, it's much better to have older men because uh, they slow down more to the rate that uh, women uh, want to have sex in their 50s. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other thing you said about women having body image issues and feeling not as sexy, um, I think that that we feel that way I've started to feel that way more in my 50s. I'm in my late 50s. 
But the older I get, the less of an issue that is because I start to learn to deal with it. So, like, because women go through such a dramatic physical change with menopause, and so rapidly that we're like, wow, look at this body I have now. But then after you've lived with it for a while, you learn to love it as this new way of being in the world. And I think the reverse becomes true as women get into their 60s and 70s. Um, so oftentimes women become even more um, accepting of their body, less inhibited, not worrying about being preg- getting pregnant, you know. Um, so there can be the reverse of that too, where women, when we're seniors, can be even freer sexually. Have you found that to be true? It's definitely true in the poly community. And mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. one of the things that is a good asterisk or highlight about poly is that mm-hmm. women who can feel more uh, alive and free can experience that without as much shame by being in a sex-positive community where they're allowed to express that more. I think in the traditional monogamous, marriage-oriented society that we've lived in, it's not nearly as acceptable for women to sort of be out there in expressing um, themselves as having, you know, active uh, sexual needs as they get older. There's been a a lot of shame about older people and particularly about, you know, women expressing uh, sexuality. That's Mm -hmm. a lot, lot less in the sex-positive communities at any age. Right. I'm sure uh, any senior listeners may want to learn about those sex-positive communities, so we'll come back to that later. (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's helpful, by the way, so that important. there's at least yeah. sorry, at least there's been one TV show, Grace and Frankie, that you know features oh, yeah. two older women, you know, marketing vibrators. It's uh, right, a wonderful right. thing, but there are very few role models for um, older women or even older men that are positive about sexuality. Uh, but I'm hoping right. that will change over time. Yeah, well, let's talk about that because it's kind of like the elephant in the room when you talk about senior citizens having sex. Um, Anybody under 40 (laughs) might have like a visceral response of yuck, the yuck factor, or um, they don't want to think about that. They don't want to think about their grandparents having sex. So what is that? Is that our cultural programming that sex is tied up with beauty? What do you have to say about that? A number of things. First of all, in the 20th and 21st century, uh, the demographics of aging have changed hugely. So there didn't used to be, in 1900, that many people that would live into real old age. Now, in the 21st century, it's like we have proportionately 50 times as many people who lived to be 100 as there were in 1900, and something like uh, 17 times as many people who are 65 or older as there were in 1900 relative to, say, the U.S. population as a whole, only increasing mm-hmm. by four times. So, you know, the ex- 
number of people who are older is increasing. It's something like about 16% in the U.S., and it's going to go up to like uh, 23 or 24% in the next couple of decades. We are getting mm-hmm. older and healthier. That means mm-hmm. that the older images, which we can you know, see in like operas and old movies and so on about older people and you know, they're being decrepit basically, um, is no longer true that because we are healthier and living longer for a number of reasons, we have richer lives that include you know, sexual components. Uh, the imagery of older people has not caught up with that reality, but it is starting to, at least. Uh, we have, uh, like Joan Price, who has written several books on sex like after 60 from a women's perspective, just uh, giving you know, lectures and uh, talks and books on just all kinds of things you can do in your senior years in a sexual setting. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you recommend or do you know people that um, take uh, hormone replacement therapy in their senior years? Do you um, advocate that or do you feel like we should just let nature take its course? I'm not an expert on this. A mm-hmm. number of things can make a difference, and it depends on the individual and which studies you regard as, and which risks you know, you're willing to take. There's like one expert on sexuality who basically says, well, you know, desire for sex and interest in it is based on nothing more than testosterone. And so the fact that uh, women have less than men to start out with and you know, they have less as you get older is the basic fundamental problem. So uh, there are you know, testosterone patches that are available. And then there are other people who say, well, it's, it's more than that. And it, it's very controversial, I believe. There's just not enough positive focus on older people and sexuality. In fact, even doctors don't focus a whole lot on older people. You have to sometimes uh, say that you're sexually active if you are and get them to pay attention to it. There's a a, a lot more work that needs to be done in this area. Right, right, right. And then um, I remember hearing about a few years ago that there was a big STD and STI problem in senior um, senior living centers and nursing homes. So there was uh, first, uh, maybe this is about 10 years ago, I started hearing about that. So my first thought was like, wow, the seniors are all fooling around with each other. That's awesome. <laughs> but, there, but then I thought, well, there must be a lot of like lack of, of knowledge and education around safer sex and a denial that it's happening or shame or something. So have you found that there's been more education for people that are in senior living centers to be more uh, conscious about um, staying safe sexually? No, in a word. But uh, first of all, the issue of 
more STIs happening in older people is not just uh, some years back. That's continuing. I've read articles mm-hmm. about it's increasing just within the last month or so. It's mm-hmm. uh, at lower levels, I believe, than younger people because there's a lot fewer older people who are active sexually, but the rate of increase is significant. It has gotten the attention of the government once again. Part of that is that um, people who are older are mostly old enough that they were into at least middle age by the time that like the AIDS epidemic uh, Mm. hit. And uh, men in particular uh, were not nearly as uh, conscientious in attitude or in practice about using uh, condoms. And Mm -hmm. at older ages, there are a huge number of men who are very resistant to using condoms now, in part because they have erectile issues too and condoms Mm -hmm. don't help. So it's a very significant issue. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if also when you're older, you might have be more likely to have a weaker immune system and so more uh, likely to, you know, become infected when you're exposed. Because just being exposed doesn't mean you're always going to get infected. That's true. And weaker immune systems are absolutely true. I mean, I get told that by both doctors and dentists, I'll tell you. Uh, mm-hmm. It is generally true. You have to be more um, cautious about mm-hmm. handling uh, your well-being in all kinds of ways with sexuality just being one of them. Mm-hmm. So the senior centers and nursing homes, there just needs to be an awakened consciousness there around acknowledging that people are being sexually active and then providing them with education, would you say? Yes, but it is a daunting task. Um, mm-hmm. The fortunate thing is that relatively few seniors are in uh, institutions uh, like you know assisted living. I think at 65, mm-hmm. it's something like about 3% in the U.S., and at 85, it's like about 10%. So most people aren't in those institutions. Yeah, it's a lot less than you would imagine. But Mm -hmm. um, for those people, it is very difficult in part because the staff are typically not trained in uh, expecting or accepting sexuality and a lot of people who work in uh, nursing homes and so on are uh, low-paid immigrant uh, folks like uh, women from the Philippines who are raised in a traditional uh, Catholic mm. uh, setting. And you know, it's, it's a mess. It, mm. You will not find in very many assisted living situations a positive attitude about sexuality with the support staff, where one mm. of the big exceptions is a uh, notable place in uh, New York State, but it's notable for being the exception. So mm. that's sort of the final frontier, you might say, although human nature being what it is, 
people will continue to try to be sexual uh, anyway, but that doesn't mean that they're going to practice uh, safer sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the more things are undercover, you might say, uh, the more you're not going to have that promotion of, of safer sex practices. Exactly, right. Hmm. I remember in, in college I, I volunteered in a a senior uh, nursing home for their recreation program. So I just started wondering if young students who are trained to be recreation directors for nursing homes could also learn the piece about recreational sex. <laughs> in a way, that... <laughs> Sorry. Well, in a way, that ideal is going in the direction of poly in that Mm -hmm. to the extent that you're having support people be involved in supporting relationships that have sexuality. It's a form of sort of non-binary, private sexuality. It's more open, which is where society will need to go to before you can really have a general acceptance of institutional sexuality, that it is not mm-hmm. something that's either shameful or just necessarily involving two people because at the extreme older age, uh, we can always use a lot more help in all kinds of ways. I mean, we're, we help people out with, you know, the most basic tasks and uh, sexuality actually is one of the things that is potentially much more pleasant than many, many other ways of trying to help older people. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, So what other uh, physical and health issues get in the way of sex as we age? Drugs, for one thing. They can have, particular medications can have a a big impact on libido. And Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily something that uh, doctors will regard as an important issue. I think as an older patient, you have to sort of alert your doctor to say and question, okay, if I take this drug, how is it going to affect my sex life? And Mm -hmm. then they'll think about it. And uh, whether alternatives exist or not depends upon what condition you have. There is also, in addition to medications per se, there's various other disabilities that people have, you know, physical and, and mental too. There's one or two good books on the specific subject of sex with disabilities and the one I'm most familiar with doesn't specifically uh, focus on old age but the older you are the more likely you are to have accumulated something or other as a a problem and so the ultimate guide sex with disabilities I think is the title is a good reference for trying to deal with uh, one issue or another that can come up cool so I just want to put in a plug for the female condom for postmenopausal women who may be having, um, you know, burning sensation during intercourse. 
um, mm-hmm. the female condom is really great to remedy that because it goes inside the woman and then she's not experiencing any rubbing because the condom's lining the walls of the vagina. So I recommend that to mature women all the time who still want to have intercourse and want to have that comfortable bonded feeling with their male lover, but, um, but it sometimes it can be painful. So even if women are monogamous, I still recommend that. So uh, I just wanted to make sure that I put that out there for any postmenopausal women that are listening. <laughs> Fair enough. And, it also, yeah, and also addresses the, the issue of men not being comfortable with condoms. Really true. Yeah. Very, very true. And um, just so people know, the female condom manufacturers just recently moved it over to being, um, you have to get it by prescription. But the good news is that if you have uh, Obamacare, it's free. So if you can just go to the doctor and get a prescription, then the condoms are actually free. Right. It's more cumbersome than it should be, but it is possible mm -hmm. to get them. And certain health care plans provide them readily, too. I believe Kaiser will uh, give you a prescription, you know, just with nothing. Great. Yeah. So if you're just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at sumatisparks.com. We're speaking with Tom Netlagi, who is an expert at um, seniors uh, practicing the polyamorous lifestyle and a healthy life of of sexuality and connection. And I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing and all the the talks that you've been giving around the country. Um, One other question I have is... um, Let's move more into that. The, we were talking mostly about sexuality, but I want to talk more specifically about polyamory. And um, we often think of older people getting more set in their ways, um, you know, more habituated to a certain lifestyle. So is it more difficult for older people to learn when they're older? I'm saying like maybe they're, they're just starting out on polyamory when they're over 60 or so. Um, is it harder for them to change their sexual behaviors when they're older? That's a fine question. So Christopher Ryan, the author of Sex at Dawn, he put Mm -hmm. out in his blog once that he didn't think anybody ever converted from being monogamous to being poly. And it's just not true. uh, My wife and I had a monogamous relationship for 13 years before seven years ago, we gradually switched into poly. And so, yes, some people do go from being monogamous to poly, including people at uh, older ages and for a variety of reasons. But it is the case that older people in general are more cautious for a number of reasons. You know, they've had experiences of things going wrong. They're more concerned about uh, their bodies and, you know, protecting themselves. And it's a brave new world out there to try to change something in the way that isn't uh, 
condoned by a lot of society and for which there's not a whole lot of positive role models. And there's mm-hmm. uh, being poly is edgy at any age. Mm-hmm. The one thing you can say about being older is that you don't have to care so much about, say, uh, your job impacting or your job being threatened by your being poly mm-hmm. or right. answering to your elders because you're the elders now, so you have more <laughs> right. freedom. And so uh, those of us who decide we want to have more richness in our life and we say, oh, gee, you know, here I'm getting up in years and I haven't fulfilled various desires. Well, some of the desires you can decide to fulfill are exactly branching out into enjoying more touch in what is a sort of touch-negative society. And Mm -hmm. so, yes, in the poly circles that I uh, populate, there are a number of people I know who have become poly just as older people, especially mm-hmm. as they get to retirement age because they have both more time and less to fear from doing it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So I didn't understand the quote by Christopher Ryan um, when you said that he says um, nobody switches from monogamy to polyamory is he saying that we start we all start out polyamorous? Is that what he means by that? No, he just was in that um, statement, which I would be happy if he didn't hold to it. It was made you know some years back now that uh, people have a an orientation that's either oh. monogamous or poly, and they tend Ooh. to be stuck in it. And oh, I, I don't think that that's um, True. I like to think that people in general have an underappreciated ability to be flexible in many ways. Um, Mm -hmm. And so one of them can be, you know, going against the grain of your sort of training and seeing that other options are out there. No, I, I agree with you. Many of my clients are couples that have been married or partnered for decades and one of them has lost their interest in sex and I show them how they can open their marriage so that one of them can get their sexual needs met without having to dismantle the entire life that they've built together Um, so people can learn how to adapt to this lifestyle and communicate in ways that's respectful to each other so that they can do it in a way that honors each other rather than one just going off and sneaking around or seeing escorts or whatever. Um, Yeah, it definitely can be done. That's an excellent example you give. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, do you have any statistical data about how many people practice polyamory when they're older? There's nothing that's real good on it. What I have gotten in general is that, again, it depends on how you define things. So some statistics that are really rough say that maybe about 4 or 5% of the general population are sex positive in one way or another. And most of those 
are defined as swingers. Now, as you get older, a lot of people who are swingers are what I would call poly in that Mm -hmm. they have established relationships with the same people that they've been seeing Mm -hmm. for years on end and are very comfortable with. And Mm -hmm. yet, the older you are, the more foreign, I think, the term polyamory, which was only invented in 1990 or something like that, is to these Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. So it depends on your definitions. But among people who are classifying themselves as polyamorous, I believe that it's like a, you know, a tenth or a couple of tenths of 1% of the population. So it's still relatively small. I believe that um, among older people, you will find fewer who are poly than younger people at this point. And that's uh, consistent with uh, what our surveys of sexual orientation by age group, for example. Like if they say, um, you look at people, they call themselves bisexual. Um, It's fewer as uh, you're older, like 2% above 52 and only 1% above 72, but like 6% in the 18 to 34 uh, age group. And Mm -hmm. similarly with other labels of uh, uh, non-heterosexual categories. The younger you are, the Mm -hmm. the bigger the proportions there are. But I hang around with older people who are uh, poly, and there do seem to be at least some in all kinds of places. And you can find that out on places like FetLife, for example. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, yeah, I want to come back to that. Um, But uh, before I do that, I've heard you say that you believe it's primarily younger people who need to be hearing about poly for seniors. Um, Why do you think younger people need to learn about that? Because it's a different ballgame than you might understand as being a young person. So being in your 50s, say, might seem a long way away when you're you know, a teenager or in your 20s. But potentially, if you maintain your health, by the time you get into your early 50s or so, you're only halfway through with your potential sexual life that mm-hmm. you might live like another you know, 35 years or so. The average age uh, survival uh, for women is like in the 80s now, and it's a couple years less for men, but still it has been increasing. And if you take care of yourself, you can be sexual that whole time. But if you don't, and a lot of this comes up as a younger person, how you take care of yourself, if you're not healthy, that will impact your ability to be sexual greatly as you get older. So you can get away with a whole lot when you're younger, but it catches mm-hmm. up with you. Mm-hmm. Right. So, In fact, um, one, one wonderful statistic that's hard to express is that as you get older, the variability in health 
keeps getting wider and wider, that there's a certain proportion of people who are healthy all the way until you know they die. But the proportion of people who are not healthy you know, keeps increasing gradually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that reminds me of the advice I most often give to young people, which is if there's one thing I can tell you, you are actually going to get old if you're lucky. <laughs> so That's treat right. your body well now. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Tom, you've been very generous with all your knowledge about seniors and poly. Um, would you be willing to tell us a little bit about your own story and when did you become poly and how did it go for you and what is your life like now? Okay. My introduction to non-monogamy came when I first moved into Berkeley in 1974. The term polyamory hadn't been invented and wouldn't for another couple of decades, but I moved into a household of six other adults who had once upon a time been in a group marriage. Mm -hmm. And they were sort of a center for uh, the local non-monogamy folk, and they called themselves Herod West. Well, I... What did they call it at the time, if not polyamory? They called it group marriage? Group marriage is one thing, or non-monogamous behavior. Oh, they called it non-monogamous at the time? Yeah. Uh That that was around the term. Okay. And, you know, they corresponded via like newsletters and uh, publications. It was a really slow communication <laughs> time. <laughs> it's hard to imagine nowadays. But yes, that's how some people around the country met each other via publications. So uh, I tried out that lifestyle briefly, and it was a disaster for me with uh, a number of reasons. And I went into a monogamous relationships one after another until 2009 when my wife saw an article in the New York Times about orgasmic meditation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know much about yeah. uh, One yeah. Taste, uh-huh. the organization that does orgasmic meditation, but it introduced us into a community of people that were sex positive, although not having uh, intercourse and so on with each other. And mm-hmm. after I had been involved with that for a couple of years, I said I would like to open up the relationship. It took seven months for my wife to decide that that was okay with her and about another seven months before she decided she personally was okay with it. But ever since then, we've been uh, working with that lifestyle for better and sometimes uh, for uh, worse in terms of there being challenges. Mm. One of the interesting things was that when I expressed my desire for the open relationship and it was granted, then my wife had her own desire, which was to live and work in Hawaii. So we granted each other's desires 
and it was easier for her to be living long distance away from me in having opened up the relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, things have continued to have uh, challenges, though. I have been a lot more successful in having uh, poly sweeties than she has been. And so mm-hmm. there's that imbalance there. And it's kind of a reflection, in a way, of the general problem of women who are older in finding new partners, at least, yeah, especially if you're heterosexual. Actually, it's also a problem if you're a lesbian. But uh, women are having a, a lot more issues with trying to find appropriate men in their elder age than men are women, it turns out statistically. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other mm-hmm. topic. Mm. Yeah, because I think with younger people, it tends to be the reverse where the woman finds it easier to meet sweeties and the man is often going, wait, <laughs> holy, I haven't met anybody yet and you've already got three lovers. So you're saying with older people, it can often be the reverse just because there's more women alive. Is that is that what you're saying? That's part of it, yes. So there's um, a graphic about U.S. marital status for people 65 and above. Only 45% of women are married versus 70% of men. So that's a huge discrepancy right there, almost Mm -hmm. all of which is accounted for by the difference in how many more women are widowed versus men. Part of that is that women live about 2.6 years on average longer than men, and part of it is also that men tend to marry women younger than them. Mm -hmm. So it adds up. And by the time you get to be 85, there's like 192 women per each 100 men. It gets to be really imbalanced the older you get. And it's a, well, that's, a problem that, that like has nothing to, to be... do with Go ahead. poly, but poly doesn't have to do with poly per se, but having flexibility on your relationships by being poly can help with that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, and there's all kinds of ways to be non-monogamous. So mm-hmm. um, I'm wondering if, so, you know, I've been on the, the dating apps, looking for poly people and a lot of, there's a lot of men who I'm primarily heterosexual. So there's a lot of men who are in primary partnerships and they just want a lover on the side. And, um, you know, there's also people that are looking more for a deeper relationship um, that's ongoing and romantic and sexual, um, but they don't want to just be somebody's side dish. So I'm wondering if, that's true for older people if if men are more likely to want um, a sexual relationship and women want to feel more valued or like in a deeper relationship if there's any mismatch there the mismatch I think uh, exists throughout the different ages but I think it becomes closer Uh, to matching as we get into senior ages because Mm -hmm. 
men realize along with women that they are going to want to have emotional support in their older age and that uh, erections and sex per se are not the be-all and end-all. Men in Mm -hmm. particular tend to have fewer relationships than women, but they benefit hugely if they have a a lot of relationships in their uh, life. I mean, people in general live longer and are healthier if they have bigger support systems. And Mm -hmm. so I think that focus of men just on sex tends to diminish with age, but the need for support uh, which is recognized earlier by women, it uh, doesn't go away for them either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I started a meetup group in Oakland where I live called Poly Over 50, and I've had two events so far, which have been really great, but I've noticed that um, about 90% of the people who've joined the meetup, people that I didn't already know, because I know a lot of people, and so my events have mostly been filled with people I knew already, but the new people that are joining the group I don't know are 90% men. And I've been wondering, uh-huh. like, what's up with that? And Why? how can I have an event that's all men? So I haven't really known what to do with the group. But you're saying that there's a lot of older women. So I'm putting a call out to them to come to my meetup group. It's on meetups.com, poly over 50. <laughs> if you're looking for mm-hmm. quality polyamorous men over 50. <laughs> Come and join the meetup group. <laughs> yeah. Good. Okay. So there's a huge divide between attitude, between the genders of attitudes towards uh, poly, it seems. So Joan mm-hmm. Price, who you know talks about sex after 60, she organized some uh, dating get-togethers, and she had all women at them of where mm. she's at. Well, that wasn't mm-hmm. focused on poly. That was about mm-hmm. dating, okay? Mm-hmm. As opposed to you're focusing on poly, men mm-hmm. are a lot more uh, easily convinced of uh, poly than older women are. Mm. So it, it's a tricky thing. I mean, poly mm-hmm. even among men is not the norm, but uh, you'll probably find that they are more easily attracted than women are. And the same thing exists with other sex-positive communities like uh, uh, the Human Awareness Institute, HI. They will typically Mm -hmm. have waiting lists for men and not for women. Right. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Cool. So I'll have to have an event around something around dating or finding your poly mate or something like that, that will attract more women. (laughs) It's tricky. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're almost out of time and I want to make sure that you have enough time to tell people how to reach you. And also I want you to spend a little bit of time talking about sex positive community because I'm a big believer in the necessity of community as an non-monogamous person because the greater culture doesn't support this lifestyle. And if we just talk to random people, they're just going to tell you you're crazy or you're whatever label they want to call you. Um, So being in a community really normalizes this lifestyle choice. 
And so I'd like to hear mm-hmm. your thoughts about community and any advice you can give our listeners about how to find community, particularly for people in an older age group. Okay. So uh, I just mentioned the Human Awareness Institute, HAI, and you can find it on the web. And it's been around for 50 years promoting its uh, weekend workshops on love, intimacy, and sexuality. And a lot of people who are sex positive uh, attend those workshops. It's a wonderful Mm -hmm. resource for uh, young and old. Then Mm -hmm. there's going on to meetup.com. In the Bay Area, at least, you will find a lot of uh, discussion groups, like I'm helping to run the East Bay Poly Potlucks. And there are uh, poly groups uh, throughout the Bay Area that are a good place of connecting. Then, of course, there are the uh, practices like Tantra-type practice, which you can find on meetup.com and various other places by just searching for Tantra practices here. And there are cuddle parties, which are... Uh, a less uh, sex-oriented, more, you know, just cuddling-oriented uh, uh, group. And uh, you and I are both uh, participants in the Network for New Culture, which has various get-togethers and is also uh, has a sex-positive attitude. And then there's Fet Life for people that are into... FetLife.com for people that are into more um, what are called kinky uh, type things, but poly is considered kinky um, by many people and on FetLife. And then there's also the uh, whole yeah, kink uh, community, which has its own calendar. I mean, there's a couple different calendars of events there for different types of um, uh, I don't know, orientation. So Arrow Bay, I believe, is the name. Uh, it used to be called uh, the Janus Society, and now it's called Arrow mm-hmm. Bay as a calendar of things all over the Bay Area all the time. Can you spell that? Uh, then there's a swing, E-R-O-B-A-Y. Oh, got it. Okay. And then there's, of course, the swinger communities, and that's um, easy to find. Uh, and those people overlap uh, with the poly people, even if neither side seems to recognize it. And so you've spoken you at a lot yeah. of – sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, even if you're not coupled, there are a lot of single or unattached men on swinger sites and some unattached women, and it's getting to be – a less um, traditional just couples on swinger sites nowadays. Cool. Back to you. Um, oh, what was I going to say? I lost my thought. Um, no, I lost it. Okay. Oh, Sorry. You've been a, speak- you've been a speaker at speaker, several yeah. poly-, poly conferences and other kinds of conferences. Um, do you find that there's older people at poly conferences as well? Yes, there are. It's a, oh, what would I say? You know, maybe 15, 20% of the people. Oh, it's not good. anywhere near a majority, 
but it's definitely a contingent. Yeah, that's definitely and, pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because people cool. who get into this lifestyle often tend to stay in it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I, I just want to um, ditto the Human Awareness Institute is a really good start for people that are older and who are brand new to the idea of this because it's a really safe workshop environment um, that starts out really non-threatening. There's various levels. So you start with level one and it's really non-threatening, really warm and safe for you to just stick your toe in the water and um, to know and try things and nobody forces you to do anything. You just try things out and you may say, no, that wasn't for me, but at least I tried it, you know? So it's a great That's place right. to start. Yeah. And then um, you mentioned Network for a New Culture. If you are more advanced in polyamory and you're more comfortable with free love and sex positivity, then um, New Culture is a great network for a new culture. You can find it online. There's meetings all over the world. Um, that's good for somebody who has a little bit more experience, but it's, I don't think it's so great for somebody who's brand new to this. It could kind of mm-hmm. be a little too much for them, too intense. Um, yeah. But if you have more experience than um, for mature people, I think it's a great, a great place. And it is all ages, but there's enough mature people that you feel really accepted no matter what your age is there. Yeah. And cuddle parties are even more gentle for people. That's true. Good point. Exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah, you're just cuddling with various people, so it's a a gentle way of of starting to step outside the monogamy model. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, Tom, it was wonderful having you on the show. Thank you for your wealth of knowledge and for your transparency about your own life. I really appreciated having you. Thank you so much, Sumati. It is a pleasure and a delight. And how can people reach you if they would like you to um, be a speaker at one of their events or, um, you know, take part, uh, take advantage of your wealth of knowledge? Well, I don't know if people have my last name, but I'll spell it out. S-C-H-N-E-T-L-A-G-E. My email is snetloggy, followed by the digit one, at gmail.com. And I can also okay. be reached pretty easily via the East Bay Poly Potluck Meetup. Okay, great. All right, well, you have a great night, and I will see you on the campus. <laughs> thank you. Well, okay. Thank you again. You're, Good night. Okay, you're welcome. Good night. So please join us next week at the same time, 6 p.m. Pacific time, when I will be interviewing Jonathan Robinson, who is a multi-best-selling author and has actually been a guest on Oprah numerous times. And he'll be talking about polyamory and communication and relationship skills. And he's got some innovative ideas. So please join us next week on Leading Edge Love Radio. This has been your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. Good night.